Marcus Marcus controls the power and wealth of a vast military and religious empire. Yet one horrific crime threatens to destroy everything in his world. Addled by drugs and grief, Marcus Marcus begins a trans-dimensional journey that will ultimately force him to confront a dark and devastating truth. Chapter 13 A strange occurrence at the family shrine. An absolute monarch has little time for reflection. Something worth remembering if you ever find yourself offered the opportunity of becoming one. They are few and far between those little gaps in the bustle of ruling an empire, but I'm not complaining. In my not-so-humble experience, the whole reflecting and mindfulness industry is a sham. On the few occasions I've allowed myself space to think on my past and on the events that have shaped me, I have suffered horrible bouts of grief and anger with a bit of doubt and despair thrown in for good measure. Better by far to plug those empty moments with a handful of chemicals to alter your mood or knock you unconscious. After my difficult morning walk with Gath, I chose the knockout option. I made my way up to my personal quarters, lay down and smeared some blizz on my eyeballs, all the quicker for getting the drug into my brain. I would have slept a full day or more, but I was woken out of my contentedly comatose state by a high and persistent wailing noise. A prick in my neck snapped me into full wakefulness. One of my household retainers was standing by the bed cleaning a syringe, Another reached over and switched off my alarm. Your Excellency has an appointment in Stone City, she said. I stumbled and cursed my way out of the bed. My mouth was sticky, as was my groin. The whether I had pushed myself or ejaculated, I could not recall. The other servant asked, Would His Excellency like assistance with His Excellency's cleaning and dressing? I shook my head. Just get me food. Something light, but filling, and a pill. A yellow one. The female servant held out her hand and smiled. A small, bright yellow disc rested on her open palm. I took the pill and swallowed it. One of the servants put a basin on the table by my bed and a sponge and a towel, while the other placed clean clothes on the bed. Thank you, I said, stripping off my soiled garments. My mood was already beginning to lift, and I invited the twosome to join me for prayers in my living quarters. We are honoured, Your Excellency, the woman said. However, we have much yet to do, but we would be grateful if His Excellency would say a prayer on our behalf. 
at which she and her companion gave a small nod and left me. I dressed quickly, humming a tune to myself, then walked across to my living quarters. Food had been laid out for me, cheese, freshly baked rolls and fruits. The room was filled with a thick, sweet aroma of spiced coffee. I chomped and guzzled till my hunger was sated, then walked over to the long, wide window that overlooked the Queen's Temple. I stood there, rolling a large orange between my hands, my mood a little less positive. Only this morning I had shared breakfast with my royal companion in this room, and now I was alone once more. I peeled the orange and broke off a couple of segments, put them into my mouth, enjoyed the brief spark of the fruit's sharp, sweet taste. Remembering my manners, I ate only a little of the fruit. The remainder I took over to the family shrine. Kneeling, I placed the orange segments on a little silver plate and offered it to the deities. With my eyes closed, I thanked them for taking time out from ruling the cosmos and the divine earth to provide me with their continuing protection and beneficence. I also told them my two household servants sent the regards. Though I'm afraid that I cannot remember their names, I think the woman is called Nancy. One of their many kindnesses today was to arrange this refreshing meal, part of which I now offer to you. I opened my eyes and straightened up. I noticed that the figure of Beatrice was no longer in her place at the back of the shrine. Now she was standing at the front between the Queen of the Stars and space the holy consort. I was not disturbed by this change in the shrine's arrangements, merely curious. I was sure Beatrice had been in her usual place this morning, when Gath and I had offered up her prayers. Had a member of my household staff moved her when cleaning my apartment? Unlikely, yet there had to be some simple explanation. A knock at the apartment door broke my thoughts. Looking round, I saw the female retainer. She gave a slight curtsy and informed me the ground car was waiting to take me into Stone City. Thank you, Nancy, I replied with a smile. The woman blushed. I had got her name right after all. My mental faculties were not completely to pot then. Is there anything else? His Excellency needs. Only one thing. Has anyone touched my shrine today? There has only been myself and Georgi in here today, Your Excellency. I'm sure neither of us touched His Excellency's shrine. I looked again at the shrine, only to see that Beatrice was not standing in the front. There she stood, as always, quietly at the back. So much for my razor-sharp mental faculties. No matter. Please inform Georgi that I made special mention of you both to the divinities.
The woman's blush deepened, and her eyes watered. She curtsied once more. Thank you, Your Excellency. Georgi and I are very honoured and grateful. I'll be down in ten minutes, I said, dismissing her with a nod. After she left, I looked at the shrine once more, but all appeared perfectly normal. Thanks for listening to the latest chapter of Marcus Marcus and Hurting Heart. Be sure to tell all your friends, family and ancient enemies about the story. If you like it, rate it, review it, pass on the word and subscribe on Podbean, iTunes, Player or your favourite podcast app. Drop me a line on Twitter at Havering Rab. And if you want to know more about what I do, check out my website, rabfultonstories.weebly.com.